Welcome to Turning Little Stones, the podcast that takes a fresh look at the fascinating world of young children. As a parent, experienced childcare professional, and early years consultant, I get how much we dream good things for our children. We start out hopeful and confident, and yet somehow the daily reality can feel more like a grind than a gift. And so we easily miss out on the joys of these fleeting early years. Over time, I've come to realize that to give our children the best start in life, we first need to recognize what's going on inside them in secret. There is some great research out there, and my heart is to make some of this relatable for everyone. And so throughout these weekly podcasts, I hope that whoever you are, parent, family carer, childminder, practitioner, anyone who spends time with young children can take a moment each week to reinterpret what our children are doing and why. And by doing so, I have seen countless exasperated, bewildered, exhausted carers become re-energized and inspired as they find easy ways to connect with what their young children are naturally eager to do. A little like turning over a pebble in a rock pool to discover a hidden world tucked away. We too will look at our children with fresh eyes and delight in being part of their journey. So welcome back to Turning Little Stones. And today I have the absolute joy of meeting a friend and neighbour. She's been our next door neighbour for goodness knows how long. We've known your daughter, your youngest child, um, who has Down syndrome. And we've known her from birth because we've known you for that long. (laughs) And we've had the privilege and joy of living next door to you. And so we really just wanted to give Fran, Fran Clark, the opportunity to share her experiences of living well with Down syndrome. Um, And we wanted also to air this in, what do we call it, World... Down Syndrome Day. Perfect. Um, On March 21st. Yeah, lovely, lovely. (laughs) Put on your bright coloured socks. So, um, yeah, over to you, Fran. Let's talk first about what is Down syndrome. Uh, Yeah, Okay. well, um, 20 years ago, Helen was born with Down syndrome. um, And Down syndrome is a condition where a person has uh, an extra chromosome. Usually people have 23 pairs of chromosomes in each cell, but people with Down syndrome have an extra copy of chromosome 21. So it's just just a genetic... It's a genetic anomaly. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's known as trisomy 21 if all the cells are affected and mosaicism if only some of the cells are affected. Okay. Uh, so Helen's got trisomy 21 uh, and it was diagnosed at birth. Um, it quite often goes with uh, heart abnormalities and she was screened uh, for those and she was found to have two holes in her heart. Uh, but they closed up spontaneously, one very quickly and then one over the next wow. few years, which was which was really great for her. Yeah. Um, she has got low muscle tone, which is typical of uh, people with Down syndrome, but she's a, a great swimmer, and so swimming's been really good for her. Um, and now she's definitely a lot more muscly and toned than most yeah. of the people, including me, really. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we look at this beautifully proportioned and toned young lady. She yeah. is, yeah, yeah, she is. Uh, other characteristics of people with Down syndrome are the distinctive facial features, mm. a large tongue, which is great for ice creams, but it does make speech <laughs> tricky. <laughs> 
and the associated learning disability. Um, they can find auditory processing more challenging, partly due to short-term memory um, difficulties, uh, but tend to be better at processing things visually. Um, Helen learnt to read before she could speak, for example. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I remember that because mm. she was in our, our little nursery, wasn't yes, she? she? Yes, she was, that's right. And, yes, she was. and seeing how she read, which was completely different, but, but we'll yeah, come on to that later. Yeah. But um, so when did you know? Was it at birth? Because I know people can test. Screening. Yeah, screening I didn't have screening birth. with her actually because my uh, son, Helen's got uh, an older sister and uh, an older brother. Uh, her son came out as quite high risk of having Down syndrome. Okay. And so I was invited in to chat about it, but I decided not to have uh, mm. an amniocentesis because of the risk of miscarriage, and mm. it wouldn't have made any difference anyway. I'd have carried on with the pregnancy. Exactly. Um, mm. And so, but having sort of come to that, that realisation, I thought, well, there's no point really in having tests. Um, so I didn't have any tests with Helen, um, but I I did have a very strong feeling, actually, that she did have Down syndrome, which was which was interesting. So I asked as soon as she was born. Well, I looked at her as soon as she was born and I, because I was looking for it, I could, uh, I could see it. So she was tested um, straight away. So she had a, a blood test and the results come back in, um, you know, two or three mm. days. And I remember seeing you actually as you, as you brought her home from hospital and it mm. was the first thing you said. I was gobsmacked. I <laughs> never forget that moment. It was the first thing you said. Yes, yeah, she's well, here she is, and she has Down syndrome. Yes, that's right, yeah. Um, so right from the word go, there was that acceptance. Yes, yeah, that's right, mm. yeah, there was, yeah. Mm. Um, I, was, I was just going to chat, actually, because there's lots of myths about people with Down syndrome. Yeah, please. Which I'd sort of like to um, disperse, really. Mm. Uh, people always say, oh, they're very friendly people, but, but they're not. They're just the same as other people, really, sometimes friendly and sometimes not, and it depends, really, if they like you, <laughs> like the look of you. Um, they're usually more vulnerable, though, because of the learning disability, sort of in the ways that a young child might be vulnerable. Um, they're more trusting, really, um, because they have a lower awareness of danger, really. Yes. That has to be something that's that's taught to them. Mm. Mm. Um, and until fairly recently, Helen was quite shy, um, but she's really grown in confidence as she's got older and, you know, with a supportive environment. Um, Helen's got great social skills, um, which hopefully will enable her to get a job after college. Um, and again, that might be misinterpreted as being friendly, but it's, you know, she's not. And, and another one is that they're very happy people. And certainly Helen, when she smiles, you know, her whole face lights up. Mm, but she, mm. She's not like that all the time. She can be grumpy and sad and frustrated just like anybody else. Yes. Really. And then my absolute worst one, the one that I particularly dislike, is that people say, oh, the they're very stubborn. People with Down syndrome tend to be very stubborn. Um, and I I would never describe Helen as being stubborn. Um, you know, mm. she's not. Um, it could be that the language skills are less developed than mm. uh, other people, mm. so maybe it's more difficult for them to explain that they don't want to do something or they can't explain that they'd rather do this instead of that that you want them to do. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Or are you rushing them? Uh, have you given them sufficient time to process the information and make a decision for themselves? Mm -hmm. um, so very early mm -hmm. on with Helen, I learnt to slow down and be more patient. I'm not quite patient <laughs> enough always. Um, and just give her time and make simple choices. Um, and I would never, ever describe Helen as being stubborn because she just isn't. Um, no. At all. And those assumptions from people that really don't know 
Mm. And they can be quite hurtful. They can be quite yeah, difficult yeah. to deal it's with. It's just stereotyping, really. And, yeah. But, um, you yeah. Know, I've met loads and loads of people with Down syndrome, and they're all really, really different. Well, they're individuals. Absolutely. You cannot... yeah, they're people first. Exactly. Little yeah. little people when they're yes, born. That's and right. then, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And and the fact that they've grown up in a in a family unit and are nurtured differently, that will also change. That will also yes, it will. impact exactly. them as well. Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, although we're neighbours, we don't live in each other's pockets. <laughs> it's it's a funny road, actually. People just tend to be in and out of their cars on a fairly <laughs> yeah, busy road. Right. So we we do know you, but we are always, we've been in awe of how you and the whole family have, have adjusted, have adapted. Celebrated. <laughs> celebrated, I love that. Yeah. yeah, celebrated. And one, I know we're, we're going way ahead now. So I do remember... She turned 18 in lockdown, didn't she? Yes, she did, yes. And yes. she's right in the middle of winter, her birthday. Yes, <laughs> and uh, and uh, I remember you you gave her a cocktail party. Yes, so. that's what she wanted. Yeah, it was it was absolutely lovely. <laughs> it was Very small. stunning. Well, it had to be because you were in lockdown. It was that Christmas lockdown, wasn't that's it? Right. Yeah. And uh, And you all dressed up. and. And uh, the men were in tails <laughs> and she had a cocktail she, she dress did. and it was she just <laughs> absolutely a celebration of her in, in your family. Yes, and, uh, yeah. and that's my lockdown uh, photo on the front of my phone. Yeah, my phone's locked, it's my lock screen. Oh, clever. Is that, so it's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love her it. And, the, and her brother and sister as well, so it's really nice. Nice, 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 yeah. So... You obviously knew from, well, day one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's probably quite an advantage of mm, some of the yeah, genetic type conditions that mm. children may be born with. Um, I think it might be quite hard for people who discover yeah. issues along the way, yeah. such as autism or whatever, yeah, things yeah. that are are. At, actually quite mild. Well, you still have to come to terms with it wherever, whenever you discover it. Of course, it. Um, of course. No, I'm so not... So, yes, I mean, the first few weeks were tricky and mm. um, she was difficult to feed, but because she was my third one, that, uh, you know, that made it easier for me. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah. But, so, you, yeah, you come to terms with it at, at different stages, really, and or different stages throughout her life, you know. Just, um, I, I know that... There was support out there, not enough, mm. not nowhere near enough. But from from birth, from having a, her as a baby, yeah, well, I remember. We, um, I remember my mum telling me that when you've got a third child, because she's my third child, mm. you just took them under your arm and get on with your life, and, mm. <laughs> and it just wasn't the case with no. with, with Helen. Um, but um, I decided that to give her the best start, I needed to learn all about um, having someone with Down syndrome. And, and, yeah. and so there was a, I found a brilliant charity called Down Syndrome Education International. Okay. And they had loads of resources and information uh, and also the inspiration. Uh, it's a really inspirational charity. Mm. Um, and, um, and I was lucky, having always been a teacher, albeit A-level maths, so not so relevant to <laughs> teaching early years, uh, but I was able to use their resources and then I developed my own uh, to use with Helen. Yeah. Um, and I had that access to an early years support advisor from the county council and uh, she was great and gave me support and encouragement together with so many activities to do with Helen uh, just to help her develop 
coordination and concentration, really. Because you were saying that her muscle tone made her quite floppy, and her yeah, well, she had access to a physio. She had access to a physio, and she she taught me how to be tougher with Helen, which was interesting. And um, Helen must have been around eight months because uh-huh. I remember being outside. We were um, outside in the garden. She couldn't sit up, and um, and the physio had showed me previously how to get her to sit up. And I said, mm. you know, she came two weeks later. I said, oh, it hasn't made any difference. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so she she said, look, this is this is what you need to do. And so she sat behind Helen, and then I had to sit behind Helen and just lock her knees. And so she just couldn't flop over. And she sort of arched her back against me and she cried after about 10 seconds. And so I sort of let go and the physio said, no, you need to carry on. She's not in pain. Mm -hmm. She's just cross with you. And so I just Mm. had to carry on. And so Helen was crying, I was crying. (laughs) And it was really tough, actually. But, you know, after, um, you know, I had to do that several times a day. Um, And after a couple of weeks, Helen could suddenly sit up and it was a real eye-opener, actually, to, um, uh, to, you know, know that I could push her and... um, and help her achieve uh, her milestones, really. And to have that external person oh, reassuring so you yeah. that that what you were doing was the right thing. Yes, that's and right. To, and you saw Yeah, I couldn't it. have done it. Yeah, I couldn't mm. have done it on my own mm-hmm. because you think, oh, I can't hurt her, and mm. you know you don't know if it's the right mm. thing. So yeah, it was it was crucial. So I was lucky because uh, we had the physio till she was able to walk. So, but you know we had to do things like put things out of reach, and so you know when she could sit up. Um, I'd just have to move her toys out of reach and she'd be cross and she'd want them there and I just wouldn't do it. (laughs) So she'd cry and then eventually, you know, she knew she had to move to get them and so she'd roll over and then crawl. And then the same with, you know, standing up, I had to put things higher up or on the sofa and then she had to pull herself up to get them and, and so, <laughs> so you have to be quite mean yeah yeah, yeah. but uh, but no it's um you know really effective uh, you know because she did have the same yes. desires to get and uh, you know and want things and that's really tricky because i think um those of us who don't have children with any other additional need <laughs> they're mm. all needy but um yeah any any specific additional mm. need like this we will look aside and just be in awe of how how strong you are as an individual and you are a strong mm. personality you've you you've got drive you've got you know you're well educated <laughs> you're if somebody tells you something can be done and can be achieved i'm yeah, sure absolutely. Yeah, that's the sort of person you are yeah. but that's sort of um also not you're not unkind you're very no, oh no. very no. very loving and accepting yeah. of of everybody actually um so yeah, that must have been a hard road to travel, and yeah. to do it without external professional support would have been yes, yes, really yeah. tough. Yeah, I didn't get a lot of support, um, but I think that was because they could see that I was capable. So they, you know, I would get seven, mm. maybe once a month mm. they'd come and sort of chat things and have a look at how, how Helen was, and mm. and then just show me the next step really. And uh, mm. but yeah, no, it's just great just to give you the confidence mm. um, to know. What, what the next step is and because it is all very very different and was that offered or did you have to fight for it i know no, you it have offered. had to fight yeah for it things was later offered on, but... um so the support mm. earlier support advisor came from essex and that that was just automatic um the physio came from uh suffolk because she was born in ipswich so i was really lucky because i wouldn't have got a physio from essex because okay. there just weren't any 
So we had to travel up to Suffolk and down to Essex yeah. and, you know, there's a lot yeah. of travel involved, but it was really great. Um, yeah. It was yeah, useful. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. But, um, you know, the early years were, they were quite hard at times, um, really mm. rewarding just to see and make the milestones, but really tough emotionally yeah. coming to terms with seeing and not make the same milestones at the same time as your know, friends children um and that sort of thing mm. um and i also thought wrongly as it turned out that i wouldn't be able to go back to secondary school teaching mm. just thought it wouldn't be possible with a child with special needs but um i have done mm. um but i um that made me think about what else i could do and so i retrained as a montessori teacher and um and that's where we really got to know each other yeah. we? working yeah. in, um, yeah. in caroline's nursery um and just worked one day a week um, but my mum was just fantastic. Um, you know, my family are just incredibly supportive because they lived at the time, they lived in North Norfolk and she travelled down from North Norfolk um, mm, on a Tuesday night so that, that I could go to college on a mm. Wednesday and then to work on a Thursday mm. um, with mm. you and then and then back. So a huge commitment. Mm. Uh, but she did the same thing for my other two children when I was uh, teaching as well, when I was teaching part-time. Um, she did the same thing and um you know and they've got a fantastic all three of them have got a fantastic mm. relationship with her now so you know her commitment has really been yeah. uh, it's really you know she's really we been rewarded for that. it yeah, it's, it's wonderful absolutely wonderful yeah yeah, yeah it's a whole family yeah. and i remember i mean those those were the days where frankly early years didn't have access to good send Mm. training no, at no, all that's right. no. we were very much in the dark you mm. taught us she taught us as much as anybody actually yeah, yeah. um i think the methodology helped um yes i do and yeah. you also well you you identified the um the specialist teacher that you'd like to have with mm. her yeah well, we were looking again we were mm. looking and perhaps that's be, you know because it's such a visible um, disability that we were we got her it was called a statement then it's called an EHCP now but yeah. she was um, statemented by the time she was two and that Which meant that we got funding very for fortunate. a one-to-one yeah, yeah it's absolutely brilliant and it's mm. a lot harder for people whose disabilities are uh, invisible yeah um uh, but but we were we were lucky uh, with that and so so that made a difference knowing okay it is going to be more work um but actually if she comes with a one-to-one then that really helps, and Helen doesn't need the one-to-one all the time. So then you could have, you could use her um, her support in you know in different ways as well, because yeah. that's um, that is an issue with um, yeah. with having a one-to-one. And I noticed it as Helen got older in primary school that yeah. you know, she can be more isolated, and other children will look at her and think, oh well, she's yes. different because she's got an adult going around with her all the time. So schools have got to handle that. Um, quite carefully that as our first experience of a child with additional needs Mm. that was really significant for Mm. us Mm. moving forward especially being such a small any uh, one-to-one yeah in the smallness but actually even down into the future Mm. if anybody was allocated one-to-one which as you say is relatively Mm. unusual but um you know it was absolutely important that that person didn't stick to the yes, the one to one like glue. Yes. Um, yeah. that actually all the children that's part of inclusion actually. Yeah it is. It's part it is. of seeing inclusion in action. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, so yeah, thank you for that. And one of the things that I really loved is that you I don't know how it happened, 
but the one-to-one moved across to the primary school at the same time as as Helen. Yeah, she did. So there was that continuity which was really great in transition which could have actually been quite hard wouldn't it yes yeah 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 Yeah. um just sort of going back so i'll I'll chat about schools uh Mm. in a little while but um other things that were incredibly useful uh particularly for children with down syndrome is to um do a makaton course yeah um so it's based on british sign language but a much more simplified version yeah and it's just brilliant um because Speech uh, tends to develop much later, yeah. and then that if the, if there's no way of communicating, that can lead to frustration, and then that probably leads to the label of being stubborn. Yes. But if um, Helen could communicate from a, an early age, yes. you know, she learnt the sign for biscuit really, really yeah. quickly. <laughs> and then you know, and then she would have to sign. I would make a sign for it if she wanted a biscuit. She would have to sign, and then later on, okay, you've got to sign biscuit, please. And if she didn't say biscuit, please, then she wouldn't get the biscuit. It would stay. Um, so, so Makaton is is the sign and the spoken word as much as possible. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah it is. Mm. And then gradually, as the speech develops, they drop the signs because yeah. there's no need, uh, mm-hmm. no need for the signs. But it's incredibly useful to yeah. be able to, and it's just a visual uh, way of communicating. Mm. And so, you know, even when Helen's speech was great, I could still use some mm. signs. Uh, particularly, time is quite a difficult concept for mm. for people with Down syndrome because it's abstract. Mm. Um, but if you can sign it, you know, first do this, then do that, yes. and then um, you can use it for sequencing. And so it's um, that was a really, a really useful tool. And uh, and that that is really good. I mean, in most early years settings, and many, many years earlier settings now, Makaton mm. is is embedded or or used. Mm. Yeah, it is. And that again, if that is. If that is happening in a setting, then again, you're not isolating the yes, child exactly. who, it's just, who yeah, needs it's it. Just not, and visual resources, again, you'll see a lot mm. of those around now, whereas you didn't really when Helen was, was mm. young, and that's that's great mm. for all children, really, to, mm. uh, to be able to see what's going on in the day rather than having to remember it all. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, something that's great for children with Down syndrome, according to Down Syndrome Education International, and we certainly found that, is to teach reading from a really early age. Yeah. Because people with Down syndrome tend to have good visual skills. Yeah. Um, but slower auditory processing yeah. and slower speech because of the, the, the large tongue. Um, and so I decided that I would start doing that. And she was used to doing lots of picture matching activities and games. And it was um, when she turned three, William started... Um, school, primary school, so I had a lot more time with her, which was which was uh, really essential, actually. Um, and so I developed, um, I made some picture matching activities. I and the books. Um, and, yes, little <laughs> books that came. The first, first one I made was uh, animal pictures, because she loved animals, mm. and so I had um, uh, the first three cards I did were a fish, a cat and a monkey, mm-hmm. and it had the word printed underneath, and then I had separate word cards and so she was able just to match. And, you you know, using the Montessori training was great. You, know, you do it silent first, so there's yes. no external stimulation. It's just really focus on that activity. Mm. And then also a gradual increase in the complexity of the activity. Um, again, so it's a really structured approach mm. with my own um, materials. Mm. And so, you know, she could match then the word cat. And, but she was obviously only matching the word cat to the word cat, which was next to a picture of a cat, and she could sign mm. cat, so mm. I knew that she knew what a cat was. Um, but then that sort of led to 
uh, eventually you, know, you turn one of the cards over and on the back it's just a picture of the cat and there's no word but she can still match the word cat to that picture and then eventually all three um, cards are turned over and so then you know she's reading she's reading the word monkey because she's matching it to the monkey um, and, and the, you and the made those so they were relevant to her, her yes, interests. Absolutely, yes. Because you yes. knew her. Yes. And again, this isn't a one size fits all, but I love the fact that you homemade them and you yeah, brought them into the, yeah. to the nursery as well. You brought yes. them over. Yes. And we used them as a sort of practice time. Yes, because so. it really fitted in with it. And other children enjoyed them. You yeah, know, it wasn't just something we did with, yeah. with Helen, the other children yeah. were enjoying that too. Yeah. Yeah, and, but that was that was great though mm. because uh, the first time she did it matched all three, and then you know I gradually increased the number of cards and things, mm. so I was sure she was reading, and then she, uh, I, you know, Beth and Will got them home from um, from school, and I said, "Come on, Helen's got something to show you," and so she would she sat down and she matched these words, so she was reading the words, and they just said, "Wow." That's amazing. We couldn't read when we were three. She wow. must be really clever. And so that was a real, really lovely um, affirmation. And, you know, and they were um, you know, And it's really genuine. Impressed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely it is. And then, yeah, and then, as you say, I made lots of picture books and things and yeah. uh, for her to match um, uh, words to and then gradually read. And then, then the, the language develops from that. Um, so and the speech gradually develops, and um, mm. which is which is really really good. I love that, and and the fact that uh, actually I think lots of children learn to read differently. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Not all Absolutely. of them go through the you know no, the, the stereotype phonic yeah, approach. Right. Mm. I mean, it's great, yes, mm. but but actually, look and say is valid for many children yeah, as well. Is. Yeah, well, she had exposure mm. to phonics at primary school, which was really nice. Mm. So yeah, so we did look and say because that that was really how she could. She reads the whole word. She can't break it down. And it, um, she can break words down now, but that's only if she's 20 now. Mm. Uh, but it was a skill she developed much, much later on. Yeah. Whereas, so she did learn to read very differently to, yeah. uh, to typical children, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And then you went to... Well, is there any more you want to say about early years? Um, well, I was just going to say about my family. So yeah. I mentioned, you know, my yeah, mum yeah. came down to support me and Helen uh, and you know and that really gave me a break that yeah. wasn't Helen all the time and I could go to work um, yeah, which was great for me training. it you was amazing it yeah. Year, didn't you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but that was great for me because it gave me a break and then you know yeah. it revitalizes you then you know to have the energy to to work with Helen because it was you know it was hard work it's it was intense. emotionally yeah. yeah and emotionally mm. demanding mm. um but you know my um, my other two children were absolutely fantastic with her as well um Will who's two years older than her is fiercely competitive and he would always run you know Helen liked to compete with him so she'd run up the garden with him and he could never let her win um and we'd sort of say come on Will just let her win this time and he'd go okay 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 I will and then he'd run just a little bit ahead just a little bit behind and we'd be all going, come on Helen go on and then he'd just have to as he got near the finish line he just had to overtake her and oh. win and he just couldn't let her win, and so she'd throw herself down on the floor and cry, and <laughs> but he just couldn't do it. And then uh, Beth was just fantastic because she would go and pick her up, sort her out, and just calm her down. And uh, and she always did that, you know. Whenever I got cross with Helen at home, um, in she'd come and just take Helen away, and um, you know, do some dancing to her favourite tunes, mm. or do some colouring, or read a book with her. Mm. So she was fantastic in a very nurturing way 
which was so they you know both kids are absolutely brilliant with Helen and and always have been and their friends are as well they're just they're incredibly inclusive of her and, and which has made a huge difference because mm. um, you know you can rely on them and they, they just bring something different and it's it's mm. great now Helen's older mm. she will ring Will up and chat to certain chat to him about certain things or she'll ring Beth up and chat to her about things and so it doesn't have to be me yes. involved because it's not you know, she's a 20-year-old girl, so it's much more important that she talks to her brother and sister about, you know, relationships or periods yes. and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's much more natural that she would talk to her siblings, and um, which, so, you know, they've, they've been just fantastic with that. Yeah. Um, and my dad, too, he, he was just brilliant. I remember one time we, um, we got a kitten um, when um, Helen was about six. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. She... <laughs> She wanted to call it Charlotte, and but fortunately <gasps> the cat was a boy, and so we compromised on Charlie. But she just loved this cat and wanted to carry it around everywhere. But then when she'd had enough, she wanted it to be in the same place, um, you know, where she left it. And so she left it one time in Will's uh, underwear drawer, and after a while I could hear this cat mewing, mewing. It took me a while to find it, found it. And, of course, it had messed all over Will's underwear and his socks. It was just just horrific. <laughs> and so he just took a deep breath and just think, OK, right, I'll deal with this. So he washed them all, put them all in the machine. I was absolutely fine. And I was just hanging them up on the washing line and just millions and millions of socks. And I just burst into tears and I just had to ring my dad and just say what she'd done. And fortunately, they'd moved very close. And he just he said, don't worry, I'll be there. And he came round ten minutes later. He was there, mm. took Helen off to the park, and it was just like, oh, yeah. thank goodness. So I finished pegging them out, have a cup of tea, <laughs> calm yeah. down. Um, so, yeah, mm. family support just, you know, my family's just been incredible. Um, mm. yeah. Uh, with her. Um, yeah, um, so, so important. Yeah, it is, yeah. And And you've also had to manage the emotional side of your other children as well you yeah, know you, you right. don't yeah they have growing up needs they absolutely. have their absolutely. own you know it's not just looking after the no. one no. with the additional need with down syndrome you, yeah you've, you've got to give the other children the time equal and, attention yeah, exactly equal. Yeah. and there must have been times you know i've um when perhaps at primary because she started off going to a state that the local yes she did yes she did so and that would have been with her brother and sister so that's where they could perhaps sometimes you know some children go leave home and you just forget about home and forget about (laughs) whatever they're yes i don't know in trouble for or (laughs) (laughs) whatever that you know school can be a place of just being yeah and i guess when she went to the school there was a bit of responsibility still at school for her there was actually yeah and particularly for will who was there um longer because he's with with helen because he's yeah just he's closer in above, age yeah, yeah yeah and so yeah certainly when uh her one-to-one uh helen was a bit of a fiend at, at school and she'd, she'd she'd go to the toilet and then she'd lock herself in the toilet and not come out and so and if the one-to-one couldn't get her out and the class teacher couldn't get her out and the head couldn't get her out then they'd just go oh will can you come and help <laughs> <laughs> i once they once rang me up because even will couldn't do it and i 
got her out. <laughs> but Or she'd go on the monkey bars at, uh, at school. She absolutely loved it, so she'd pretend she wanted to go to the toilet. She'd go to the toilet, but really she'd go outside and just play on the monkey bars all on her own. <laughs> she played on them so much she had blisters and calluses all over her hands. She... She absolutely loved it. And uh, one time she escaped, So no actually. problem with muscle tone. <laughs> no, that's right. I know. No, she was just determined to do it. Absolutely yeah. determined to do it. And yeah. maybe she'd seen Will do it. And so she thought, I'm going to do it as well. But pressure, it yeah, might yeah, be, yeah, yeah. But she was just determined to do it. But she did escape once from school because um, they were having... Uh, the school dinners delivered and uh, before this incident the, the school the dinner people didn't have a key to the school and so they'd open the gate for them and then they'd come in and just deliver okay. and then go so the gate was open probably only for five minutes or so yeah. but it just happened to be the five minutes when Helen was Helen was out wow. and so she saw the gate was open and made a beeline for it and uh, she was ran straight past Will's classroom Unfortunately, his teacher saw her out of the window, so he, wow. he shot out yeah. and got her, and she'd, she'd gone down the road a bit, but she hadn't crossed the road. But uh, but I always mm. think, well, Helen was there to pressure test the system, really, because they sort of called me in all worried, and I said, oh, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, you know, it's, it's fine. Yeah. She's, she's It's okay, one of those things, safe. yeah, so then they had to get and a they... key made for anybody yes. who came to the, the school then. So <laughs> so she really did, she did pressure test it, but... Uh, uh, but that's true with all risk assessment, actually. You know, you, you can only think you through can, so right. much <laughs> yes. and then something happens and we have to tweak it uh, yes, and, right, and, exactly. and improve it. So yeah. it sounds a very reasonable way that both school and you reacted and responded to it. And, and thankfully... Yes, it was, nothing, it was all OK. It was OK. <laughs> so, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but school were absolutely brilliant with it. She had a fantastic teacher in uh, year one and year two as a mixed age group. Uh-huh. And actually she stayed with that class teacher for sort of, When she moved up, she, she kept coming back for sort of extra reading in the morning, which was just lovely. Um, but I remember her saying to me, one time they were the class was about to paint rainbows and so she wanted to chat through the colours. Mm. And so she had the children on the carpet in front of her and Helen was stood next to her with a basket of crayons and so she'd ask the children, OK, what colour comes first? So they said, oh, red. And so then Helen's job was to find the red crayon. Mm. And so she was right in the centre of it mm. um, and, you know, she was finding red. So she was learning at her at her level and, you know, and she wasn't any different to the other children. You know, she, no. Then she could draw her rainbow. Um, but she also uh, grouped her, she, Helen, she put Helen with the most able students whenever they were doing literacy because then she could learn from the other children, hear them read. Yeah. Uh, she could... Um, and then, But then she would ask Helen a question about the story or whatever they were reading, you know, at her level, so she could join in. And then the other children could see, oh, yes, Helen can answer questions as well. Yeah. Um, or she would, you know, get Helen to... Yeah. Uh, repeat back, you know, something that another child had said. So um, she was absolutely fantastic. She really understood inclusion. Yes. Um, and it must have been, you know, a lot more planning for her, really, because uh, everything she did, she thought, right, how can I include Helen in this? Wow. Um, yeah. And she was fantastic. But, you know, she was there for two years uh, with her. And then um, she suggested um, that Helen um, come for part time in, you know, when she, when the rest of the class moved up. Um, to to class three, she sort of, she suggested that Helen uh, stay, and I'd come up with that idea as well. And I was thinking, oh, how can I broach it with the school? They'll say yes. no, you know, she has to move on, age appropriate. And um, when I brought it up, they said, oh, that was great, actually. You know, the teacher had, had suggested this, 
and it was lovely. So then she was able to spend the morning doing literacy activities with with this teacher and then the afternoon doing art and craft and things with her peers. Yeah. Um, and it was a really small school, so, that, you know, everybody in the school knew Everybody Helen. knew everybody else. Yeah, anyway, that's right. Yeah. And, and there was um, lots was... of... I, do you know, I adore in early years, but actually in other schools as well, the the notion of vertical age grouping. Mm. I think there's such benefit in that, and we just rigidly stick yes, to these horizontal yeah. ages, uh, ages, and I don't think it works for all children. No, it doesn't. No, that's um, right. So, yeah, but they were certainly great. They were lovely. really flexible, yeah. um, mm. and uh, you know, I couldn't. So, when did you make the decision to? I, I can't remember mm. actually how old she was, but there was some point in time when you made the decision to yeah. to to look to see if she was able to get a place in the in yeah. the school of special education. So, well, it was in uh, so at the beginning of year four we started to think about okay. where she would go to um, because Will was due to leave primary school at the end of that year, and she was getting a little bit isolated because she was with her one to one. Um, and wasn't managed quite as well as it had been, um, yeah. you know, when she was in um, class two with uh, with this wonderful teacher. Um, and so um, I decided I had, had to really have a think about, you know, should she stay in this primary school and then go on to the local secondary school? But I wasn't so enamoured with the local secondary school with the, the Senko and the special mm. needs department mm. there. I just didn't feel they quite got it. No. Um the language wasn't right that they used, not only with people with Down syndrome, yeah. but, you know, other disabilities. Mm. And, and if you haven't got the language right, then clearly there's no understanding and thinking. So I didn't feel it was appropriate there. And so I started to look round. I didn't, what I didn't do was look round at other secondary schools, and I don't know why I didn't, um, because having an EHCP, she could have gone to any secondary school, um, mm. but I didn't, mm. um, and I don't know why. Um, I looked at the two special needs schools that we have in the area for mild to moderate learning disabilities mm. and one of them offered her a place and so I just thought, OK, that's... Yeah, mm. she can go there. And so she moved um, at the beginning of year five. Mm. And I don't know whether that was the right decision because certainly she missed out on some things like, um, say, art and drama and music. Yeah. They didn't do very much of that, so she lost access to that as she moved up the school, which was a real shame because it was just when she was growing in confidence and she was just uh, yeah. enjoying drama and being able to benefit from it and it would have been fantastic and then she lost access to that which was a real shame yeah um yeah. but you know on the other hand she had friends there you know she fitted in yes. she didn't have a one-to-one -one tied to her because yes. they had a teacher they had a small group and then they had a um you know one or two teaching assistants in the group that yeah. were not attached to a particular child but you know floating around yes, so yes. but then the, her friends were not local you know because they were taxied into the school so I didn't know any of the other parents didn't yeah. know any of the children and I, I have to say that's one of the things I I've noticed that you are incredibly you are the driver you you are the one that takes and fetches her everywhere and has done forever mm. um and that's a massive commitment i know we'll move on to her gifting her skill in in swimming and and things but you know that that's been a massive uh, extra for you yeah yeah it has but it's um 
uh, it's all worth it, really. Um, I did read something very early on. Um, I don't know where it came from, and it said um, it was aimed at parents of new parents of children with Down syndrome. And it said, imagine you had a child that was born with Einsteinium. And Einstein in Einsteinium. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Okay. And so, mm-hmm. you know, so they're incredibly gifted children, and so you would expose them to all the music, all the literature, yes. everything. And so it said, think about Down syndrome as this. That's exactly what you need to expose them to, all the music, all the literature, even more so, because yes. they won't naturally pick it up from the surroundings. So you've yes. got to um put that in so we did um and you know and that was partly through her brother and sister as well so everything they did was great they were older everything they did helen tagged along um you know when they had friends over the um, beth and will's friends were just brilliant with helen because of course she wanted to go and play with them as well and she would you know they would let her Mm -hmm. um you know um, play with them and chat to them for a little while and then i'd take Mm -hmm. her away (laughs) but but they were great so she got exposure to um yeah. to um to lots of different things um including cooking she's um she's always enjoyed cooking and that's what she's um, doing now she is yeah she college is college cook cookery class yeah well that's yeah. right well that was the big advantage of moving into a, a um special needs school was because just when she was uh getting towards the end of it when she was about 15 they opened a um a, a college for 16 to 19 year olds and uh, and it was just around the time we were thinking, what on earth are we going to do with her yeah. um, after that? Mm. And they opened this college, and because she was at the school, um, she had a priority priority place there, Lovely. and that was fantastic because then she was able to do hospitality and catering. Yeah. Because um, she'd always cooked. We, you know, we used to bake together. Um, yeah. And I used to bake with my other children, and then they would bake with Helen, and uh, and Helen's um, now able to to cook independently. Um, she needs recipes. You know, written out so I'm still creating resources you know I'll write recipes out re- with really specific steps um, yes. because she can't sort of read between the lines and she has to do things in a certain order you know get all yes. the ingredients out first and prepare them all and then do the cooking I've got um, a husband because multitasking is different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah multitasking is different difficult for lots of yeah. people <laughs> um so yeah so so that was and that was just fantastic she learned some great skills at the at the college and then um, after about a year's worth of preparation, getting her EHCP up to scratch and um, persuading the local authority that there was nothing locally that would suit her, they uh, they agreed that she could attend a residential college, which is where she is now. Um, and it's up in Shropshire, so it's a long way away. Yeah. But it's absolutely fantastic, and she's getting she's doing um, food and hospitality again there. And um, she's taking herself off to swimming class. And what we've forgotten to say is actually she's a world-class swimmer. She is, yeah, <laughs> she is, yeah. So the major thing that Helen has in her life is swimming. Yeah. And, um, and Will taught her to swim when she was about 10, just on holiday. Yeah, um, yeah. And she, uh, so I started, I got her um, swimming lessons and she made massive progress. Mm. And so after a couple of years, um, I joined the local um disability swimming club which we're really lucky to have around here and uh and someone there said she's really good you know she because she, she listens she understands she follows instructions she watches what other swimmers do which is and amazing because you just said this this yeah. retention the oral retention is vis- yeah the visual is great because yeah. swimming is taught very visually and okay. and they will manipulate yeah, yeah, yeah. your legs to start with yes. and um 
And okay. so, yeah, so so then she was able to compete then in yeah. um, in para galas and things like that. And then she, um, an able-bodied gala she could get into because she had a, we had a, got her a classification. Yes. Um, people with Down syndrome aren't allowed to swim in the Paralympics, which is a great shame because there's no Hooray. classification for them. Um, she's classified as, uh, for swimming, it's S14, which is for anybody with an intellectual disability. Okay. But, of course, Helen's got, um, physical disabilities as yes, well and yes. because she's small she's got tiny hands tiny feet low muscle tone um but so she's competing against able-bodied yes. swimmers who have just got a really mild learning disability yeah. and uh, helen's you know learning disability is much more significant so she's just not quick enough but she she because she has the classification okay. mm-hmm. it will enable she can compete nationally and regionally and at counties and done remarkably well well yeah over the world haven't you we have yeah Mm. well she broke her she broke a world record uh, when she was swimming in counties in 2019 and and i hadn't expected it she just did a really great swim and i thought oh that's quite fast i thought i'll just check what the junior world record is and it's like oh my goodness helen's broken it and we've um, we've seen the gold medal. We've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> Medals so, actually. Yeah, that was great because that enabled her to join the mm. mainstream swimming club and to to go to them and say because they'd never had um, someone with learning disabilities there, mm. and so to go and say well actually she's got a world record. It's like oh, okay, and so this, well we'll give her a try <laughs> and see how see how she goes, and the but the swimming was so much more intense. Um, so she yes. really developed yeah. quickly, yeah. Um, and then she—it was just seemed like every time she raced, she broke a world record or a European record, and she ended up with thirteen at the end of um, at the end of that first year, which was which That's was phenomenal, astonishing. And you so, used to have to the, interpret, didn't you, for her? So you used to go to the lessons and then then unpack some of the instructions so she understood mostly although mm. yeah although the swimming teachers were great actually okay. because okay. they were they were fantastic at the disability swimming club because they um taught people with a whole range mm. of disabilities mm. and people with down syndrome mm. before and um two of them worked at the mainstream mm. club so they were able to pass that information mm. on and, and be that link mm. um so they were they were really good but um you know the um the head coach she said oh it was you know a great learning for us actually to have Helen there mm. um but mm. it was just brilliant for Helen because she was swimming with 11 to 12 year olds yeah um and she was the same height as them because yes. people with Down syndrome are quite short yes. stature yes. and so she fitted in really well and they were just in awe of her because she'd got a world record and um yeah. and it was just brilliant for her for a communication yes. um and but also really great visibility actually so we're you know she's ex- uh, all the children there and the teachers there and the parents there are exposed to someone with down syndrome yes. because you know for too long they've been shut away really yes. and not seen and so you know so she's a little bit of a trailblazer there but um yeah. you know there's certainly fear there's a lot of swimming clubs think oh i'm not sure yes. um you know about having someone with with down syndrome or disabilities at, yes. at able-bodied swimming clubs um, and and it, yes, it is. So she's it is the more ambassador. Work. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But yeah. not the only one. You know, there's there's loads. You know, she's part of yes. uh, a great you know British team. Um, that's fantastic. Which is which is fantastic. Yeah, and um, yeah, and as you say, we've travelled all around the world, and you know, and the family have benefited from that. You know, we've been to to France and Italy, Portugal, Canada, mm. um, and you know, and seen her win medals, and it's. Yeah, it's just been yeah, phenomenal. Really. Having Helen has not 
stopped you living life. No, it hasn't. In no, any it's, way, it's shape, I mean, I, uh, there's no way. I'm far less travelled than you are. <laughs> I'm in awe of what you do. And, and yeah, you go as family. Yes, uh, we do. And, yeah. and yeah. similarly, I know one of your children spent some time out in Portugal and then you all went to see her. And, yes, you know, that's right. Helen as well. So actually, yes. it's not just going to where Helen needs to go. You, no, no, no. We have family celebrate. holidays as well. Exactly. Yes, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah. astonishing. Yeah. But it's been um, a good, um, you know, meeting people with uh, whose children have got Down syndrome, both locally. Um, it just is such a massive support, um, mm. and, you know, and they've become friends, but also nationally because she swims for the Great Britain team. So I've got some great friends across the country. Yeah. And, and it's like a chain, really, because um, there's a lot of older um, children there and so their parents say oh did you know about this how you know about, about this mm. social care you need a social worker and and so you think oh right okay yeah I'll do that so and that's so sort I had, of networking yeah network's fantastic important. so I had a lot of support um, yeah. with preparing my paperwork you know to get Helen to the residential college yes. but now I'm supporting one Others, of my friends yeah. who's got a younger child and trying to get her paperwork in, um, you know set up and, and yeah. ready so that um, so that she can apply for for yeah. her child to attend so it's you know it's a fantastic support network and yeah um what you were saying about um helen being hidden or not being hidden being visible mm. being made visible mm. is is just lovely and uh, i guess there are w with the offer of the pre-birth tests mm. <laughs> the amnocentesis yeah. i guess um a number, I don't know the percentage, don't really want to know the percentage, but there are presumably a number of children mm. who would have been born with Down syndrome that aren't, aren't. born. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously that's the parent choice, not, not, not you know, ca casting any judgment there at all. But what would you say if you met... I'm assuming you probably still do, or you yeah. know of people who are going through the angst mode. They've gone through the amniocentesis. There's a high chance, there's a high mm. probability. You know, what's your advice to those those people? Well, number one, I'd say congratulations. It's it really is. It's been incredibly rewarding uh, bringing Helen up. And yeah. Yes, challenging, uh, and there are ups and downs. Um, yeah have commitment have faith in them um treat them as people yeah. don't treat them as people with down syndrome treat them as people and um helen's got such a great sense of humor she's mm. really really fun um so we just have so many laughs and mm. um, and you wonder oh if she didn't have down syndrome would it have been as much fun she's yeah don't yeah. Know. <laughs> we all have ready laughs as a family. Yeah, we do. Probably you yeah. have to. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly you do. Either you laugh or you cry. <laughs> and you you you're a poster family as far as I'm concerned. You know, I know we live next door to you, but you 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 know, do we just see her shine? Um, you kindly invited, she kindly invited us to her leaving barbecue before yes. she went to college. Yeah. So, what, that was in 19... view of her 18th birthday party since she couldn't uh, have a birthday party. So nice. we thought, right, we'll, we'll do a big leaving party. So, and um, she, that was fantastic. she stood up and gave a little speech. She did, she and did. That and she had encouraged she had her prepared little that all herself. Yeah. 
that's right. Who also yeah. has Down syndrome yeah. to follow her and do another little speech. So yeah. it was amazing. And yeah. and you know, she is a beautiful young lady, whether mm. she has Down syndrome or not. She's an asset to to the world. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I think so. I, uh, yeah. So hats off to you. Um, thank you so much, Fran. You've, That's all right. You've really <laughs> shared your heart. I really believe and hope this has been inspiring for everyone, whether we know, whether we see, whether, you know, whoever we are, um, just to respect and mm. be glad mm. that people like Helen beautify the world. Well, Helen, it's absolutely lovely to see you back. I've known you for all your life, 20 years, haven't I? Would you like to just say hello? Hi, my name is Helen Thompson and I really enjoy swimming. I've got world and European records in freestyle and individual mentally. I like sports and keep fit. Last year, me and mum did a triathlon in Harwich and we got medals. I go to Durham College and I am studying food and hospitality. I like um, cooking meals for lunch and dinner. I can make macaroni cheese, sweet and sour chicken and beef lasagna. That's me singing out. Thank you. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you for listening and we hope you're left with some food for thought and ideas to try. You might like to subscribe to our podcasts on your preferred platform and follow us on Instagram or Facebook. And why not head over to our website, www.turninglittlestones.co.uk, where you'll find show notes for each episode, previous podcasts, blogs, and even details on how to delve a little deeper. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review and let us know if there's an area that you would like us to cover. So finally, thank you for every like, share, comment, encouragement, and of course, for listening. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>